What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Matzaball, a.k.a. Rabbi Kenlis, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, we ran out of episodes. So George, our intern, said, Noah, why don't you answer reader questions? I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. So we have gotten your most popular favorite questions that you think I might have an answer for. If not, it might give you some inspiration. If not, it'll be 15 minutes of fun. Get ready for some amazing ear nuggets along the way. We've got some questions about content. We have some questions about starting a business. We have some questions about being single. I know a lot about that. Anywho, it's going to be a ton of fun. Enjoy the episode. Before we dive into the episode, uh, go subscribe to okdork.com. It's my newsletter. I'm going to send you good stuff. As well, go check out appsumo.com. It's a business I started 11 years ago to help you start your own company or grow. You're probably already on the mailing list, but if you're not, go to appsumo.com on your phone, sign up. It's free. Find cool stuff. Finally, a shout out to every single one of you gorgeous people. I love y'all. Seriously. This guy, Muhammad, hit me up when I was at a squash tournament uh, last week. He's like, hey, man, I watch your videos, and I'm inspiring to be way more successful than you. And I was like, hell yes. I love him and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. I hope you're having your dream life. And my job is here to be your cheerleader, support you, and share some of my experiences to help you along the way. All right. We are going to dive into the questions. George, the intern who's not from Wuhan, but he is an intern, he put together these questions. And George, next time, you should just be on the episode. Shit, George is actually living in my guest house, which is pretty funny. Uh, he's working on top of the washer dryer. Shout out for the hustle. So question number one is from Bojana Jankova. Love the name. They said, I am a content strategist for a big luxury company. Let's just assume it's Gucci. I want to start an e-course on social media strategy and tips, but I'm running into dose problems. Number one, impostor syndrome. That must be European. Not sure I have anything to teach in the field given the rules of what's good content format. And the content is highly contextual. It differs from one client to the other. Two, he's got two questions. Damn, he's not just one problem. Dude, he's got 99 problems with starting a, a social media e-course ain't one, or I guess 98. Unsure about the format. How many hours of content should I film? What should my pricing strategy be? How do I send Noah a love letter? Who should be my customer? Any tips on these problems would be highly appreciated. One, this is a super common question. Thank you for asking for it. And everyone from myself to probably Bezos to probably a newborn baby is feeling like an imposter syndrome. And I'm sure there's some psychological thriller podcast that talks about how you don't have to be imposter or not, but we just feel it from time to time. I think the question I wonder for you, Bajana, is when have you not felt like an imposter? Now, you get paid big bucks for this big luxury company to do their content strategies. Do you ever feel like an imposter there or do you feel like you're in your domain? My guess is when you're doing it, you're like, yo, I'm pretty damn good at this and yeah, pay me my money. So the reality is, is that imposter syndrome, it's interesting for all of us to reflect on when we feel it and when we don't feel it. So my recommendation for overcoming feeling imposter syndrome is generally teaching someone else and realizing how much you actually do know about a subject. So I think the way you're approaching the outcome, I, I want to just make a recommendation. Is that okay? One, I was like asking for permission. You said it's okay? All right, thanks, man. So what I would do instead is instead of working backwards from how do I get a course and how do I, am I not an imposter and how do I film it and, and blah, 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 you're avoiding the hard part. And this is what everyone does. So don't feel alone about it. Feel like, oh, that's a common problem and there's a common solution. The solution is just go help one customer. So let me tell you a story. I have created one course. It's done seven figures. It's called monthly1k.com. And I learned a ton. You don't have to go buy it. I'm just going to give you all the, the good stuff here. But sometimes when you do buy a course, there is something where you put skin in the game. And importantly, not necessarily my course, but anything out there, try to find accountability or someone who's going to call you on your crap and help you stick to your plans. So what I'm recommending in my course is that I did a similar thing to you where I was like, I'm just going to email out this course and everyone knows me and I have an audience and they're just going to buy it. And when we actually put it out there, it was crickets. Can we have a cricket sound? That was just me doing it. 
So I think what a lot of people similar to you have day jobs or you have specialty skills, which is really cool. So the two ways that I would recommend for you to really think about it is go find a customer or another company. You could honestly manually do this consulting for because what you're actually asking is, Noah, how do I create more income and scale up the amount of money I'm making? And then subsequently, how do I do it so I'm making money around the clock? So I would actually try to focus more on how do I get to a certain level of revenue instead of just saying, hey, I need a course because I got to sell it and I got to make some videos. And now how do I do internet marketing? That's going to be a lot harder for you. So what I would try to do is find a second client and just do the same thing you're doing. And what I did with my course, which was really interesting, is that I just started documenting the manual help I was doing. So what does that mean exactly? So as you're starting to help people manually, just record those videos, document their questions. And that's what becomes the course. I think when people think about a course, they're like, oh, it's, got to, it's not about how much crap is there. It's about what's the result you're promising to your student. And as long as you can deliver that, they don't give a crap how it looks. Like if Elon Musk wrote it on a napkin and it was like, hey, here's how to start a company, I'm sure all of us would pay no matter what for it. So something to really be thinking about there. You know, I said two pieces, but I think the second question is how do you find customers? So one of the things that we do at AppSumo.com and as well I'd recommend for you is how did you get your current big luxury company, right? So whatever you did to get that, I would just go revisit that approach and do it again. A few other kind of thoughts overall is that I, I think content and all these things is more about what's the expectation you're promising to your end customer. So if you're promising big luxury company some result, that's what you have to deliver. And the same thing goes for a course. Now, courses are great, uh, but I think the key second thing is really how do you build a class? And I, I definitely, I think a lot of us have seen it's called cohort-based learning. My suggestion for you is if you're thinking, hey, no, I don't care, which most people never do my advice. They're like, I'm going to do my course anyways. And I'm like, all right, bro, do whatever you want. Don't listen to me. I've never done it before. If you want to do that, I would try to either do it for free to start building up the content and seeing if you're getting the results you can promise people on, or try to do it where you get five people to pay you some nominal amount uh, and actually do it as a course. Because I think when people are used to that types of format, it holds more people accountable. Uh, and then you can actually have people help each other so you can remove yourself from the equation. I know there's a lot of different things in there. What I would recommend is just get going now, not how, and give yourself 30 days to help one person get a result. So either A, it's teaching it to someone else, or B, it's just finding another client that you can be a content strategist for. Now, one of the things I've seen a lot of people make mistakes on as they're trying to grow businesses, they're like, no, I need a course or I need software or I need you know, uh, something that's scalable and sells around the clock. You know what else works around the clock? Hiring other people. So if you can be the person that A, is getting the clients, which is super high value, high leverage, and then B, training people underneath you and paying them significantly, that is extremely scalable. And if your goal is a certain amount of money, which is generally what most people are after, that's a great way to get it versus just doing course. I think course is just one way to get to an end result. So those are some tips and experiences along the way for my course. There's actually a blog post. If you go to okdork.com learning course, let me just find the article. The article is how we created a $5 million online course. If you go check that out, and I think that's on okdork.com slash marketing dash strategies. And as well, I think I've put out some videos on youtube.com slash okdork. You can see other things I've talked about, about how to create an online course. Because the thing with online courses, and just to come back to it and, and really simplify for everyone out there, is that creating content and documenting your, your expertise is great. Getting people to buy it and actually do something from it is hard. So you got to really focus on the hard part to make the first part a lot easier. All right, question number two from Rupi Ahuja. Ahujla. I mean, I love your names. Hey, Noah, I have my own one-person business. I use a network of freelancers to do my podcasts, social video edits, diary management, aka dairy management, just kidding, plus an agent who works on commissions for books. Wow, man, nice job. By the way, for all y'all out there, you're probably doing a lot better than you think. 
And the important part is just not how many people work for you. It's like, hey, are you living the life you really want? It sounds like Ruby's doing awesome. And all these companies, whether you're AppSumo, Facebook, you're starting out as a, a muffin baker or whatever it is, it's really just about getting that first customer and planting the first seed, which Rupee sounds like a lot of you are already doing. So give yourself some credit. He said, my aspiration is to grow a much bigger company. And I understand that hiring full-time employees is key to creating a scalable company. So how do you make your first hires, especially if they're in a different, completely different industry to yours? How do I even review some of the CV or interview them for a role of in-house CTO, product manager, engineer, when I have no idea what makes a good candidate? Damn, man, why don't you guys give me an easy question? Like, what should I have for dinner? Let me just give you some experiences that have helped me and hopefully that'll help you. So number one, when I'm hiring people, I generally look for two things. One, attitude, follow-up. And at the end of the day, I'm assuming that most people are smart and have a brain. But if someone is not optimistic, if someone is not who you want to be working with, that's going to be a downer. And follow-up is honestly, do they deliver? They deliver crap. That, that's a whole other problem. But most people are unreliable. Uh, especially if you're trying to get a sales job, all you have to do is follow up. So that is what I would be looking for as I'm hiring people. Now, let me talk to you about my first hires to just give you some inspiration and experiences. So when I started our YouTube content, I found Mitchell. And the thing with Mitchell Cohen, now he's running influencer management at AppSumo, was that he was always great attitude, always reliable, and he was just willing to learn and put in the work. And so he never did podcasts or YouTube, but he learned how to do it. And actually, almost everyone initially when you hire them, especially when you're hiring you're probably not going to be hiring the best in class. Generally, I've seen people, you go through three stages. The first stage is you hire someone that's just smart and figures it out. Second stage is you hire someone who's done it and they're pretty good or they can figure it out. And third stage is you hire an expert. And that just evolves as you, as you make more money. So I, I think the big thing for you is why not keep doing the freelancer thing if that's working for you? So I would keep sticking with that and think about it more as a practice. Like, all right, how do I get improve my skill and my craft in hiring? Second thing that you can do is there's a book called Who? by Jeff Smart and Randy Street. It's about how to hire people. So I would read that book because I think it's a great thing. But again, the first part is just hiring people and getting them used to doing it. Now, the last question you're like, it, it's interesting because you're like, hey, I want to do something new. And I want basically what you're asking is, how do I hire someone outside of my area of expertise? So I think there's two ways of approaching it. So for me, I am not an engineer. I went to Berkeley for two years to try to be an engineer. I realized I am not good at that. And I've accepted it. So I have some understanding of it. So it does make it easier. So A, try to learn it yourself. And I'm not saying go back to college, but try to create some websites, try to be your own developer, try to be an engineer, and you get some understanding of it. That might be a little bit hard. So option two, which is what I'm doing at AppSumo, is a similar experience to you. So we are trying to hire a VP of people. I've never heard of that role. So what did we do? I went out and we met around four different VPs of people to really calibrate what the hell does someone like that do? And now that I have an understanding of that, it gives me a benchmark. So as I'm meeting people, I'm like, okay, you're good. You're great. Oh, wow. There's excellent out there. And if you don't have someone like that, or you can't meet people to calibrate, I would try to find someone you do trust to be a part of your interviews. So what do I mean by that? We have a guy named Raj, who's one of our advisors. He's amazing. Uh, he's very strong in product. So he is offered, he's like, hey, Noah, when you're hiring anyone in the product category, I'm happy to do your senior level reviews for the interviews. So if you are not competent or feel comfortable to do it yourself, have someone else. So those are a lot of the ways that we've approached it in our overall experiences. Again, I think if you've already experienced freelancers, Bring people on as freelancers, go on dates, don't get married right away. And that'll give you a good chance to see if they like you and you like them. I don't know how this episode is going. You guys give me some feedback on Twitter world at Noah Kagan. Uh, it's just me riffing on some of these different questions that you guys have submitted. Question number three is from Ziggy Zick. What a dope name. George, I don't know how you found these people. Are these all like your cousins? Are you like trolling me on this stuff? But anyways, it's, it's great, great names, George. Really nice job. Uh, it's from Ziggy Zick. He said, I was a top rated freelancer in Upwork doing web development. That's awesome but I was not doing great at my pricing and ended up bringing home around 800 pounds before tax, which made me go back to full-time work. 
Currently, I do web dev part-time while running an Etsy shop on a side that brings around $8,000 profit. Wow. I can't see how to scale any of these, so I feel stuck at work. Any advice? That's very broad, uh, so that makes it a little bit tougher to solve. But one, give yourself some props, man. You are doing 800 pounds in Upwork, and you have an Etsy store as well. That's 8,000 pounds profit. Now, the, the question that you're really asking is that if you're feeling stuck at work, if you don't like your job, the real question here is how much do you need to be able to live the lifestyle you want, right? Like how much do you actually need from Upwork and Etsy to quit the job? And for me, it was always $3,000. And that's when I started AppSumo, I was paying $500 a month in rent. I wasn't living lavishly whatsoever. Did I even have a car? I think I had a, like literally a fake Vespa from China that broke the first week I had it and I didn't have a car. And so it was just living so, so cheap. So I didn't need a lot of money to have my, my projects make money for me to be successful. So I think the question is, how much is that for you? Now, you have two separate businesses here. You have the Upwork doing web dev and you have the Etsy. One thing that we've approached at AppSumo and I think has been a healthy model is which one of these is easier to 10x? That's just the question. I don't know the answer for you. My guess is with Upwork, you got to just keep working on it. And then generally, I think the approach on Upwork is how do you move your clients offline? And then how do you move up the value chain of Upwork? Like being on Fiverr is low, low quality work. But if you take the clients off or you figure out what are higher value or higher paying gigs, you can keep moving up. You got to stay consistent with it. And look, I know you're doing full-time work and you're feeling stuck and you want to get out of it. But yeah, you got to put in some sacrifice. Get up earlier, do lunches, do nights, do weekends. And the way to make that really achievable is have a very clear dream. Be like, at the end of this year, here's where I want to be. And for me, it was like, I don't want a boss. I want to work with cool people. I want to do cool things I love. And so I was willing to live really, really cheap. And I didn't get paid it from AppSumo for probably the first five years, like really get paid at anything. Because I was like, man, I just want to be able to have this kind of lifestyle. And so for you, if you have that clear, it makes some of these sacrifices, not sacrifices, and frankly, enjoyable. So you're on the right path. Just go back and revisit it. Uh, maybe get some accountability or friends or support uh, to really kick you in the tuchus to kind of get you help and also tell you that you're doing a good job, man, because you've definitely made some great progress. Don't give up out there. How long is this? By the way, I don't know if y'all like it. It's 15 minutes. Like I was supposed to have dinner in a little bit, but I was like, nah, I'm going to come record this Q&A, hang out with my homies. You guys, you know, I haven't made as many custom podcasts. This is a super custom version just for you gorgeous listeners, because I love you. I honestly love y'all. You know, and look, I don't know all the answers out there. I, I know that from my overall experience, a lot of these things, I just go out and do it, right? Mitchell has said this quote, and I really love it, which is now, not how. And some things I understand and some things, you know, I, I'm figuring out. But if a lot of you out there, there's not a magic bullet in some book or some YouTube video. It's you going out and talking to a customer, seeing what people want, do the coffee challenge if you haven't done it, which is asking for 10% off seeing what they like or don't like, and then keep improving and going from that. All right, question number four from Rafael Arohu. Arahu. Damn, dude, great question. My company sells solutions to other businesses. It's very niche, or niche, phone recorders, speech-to-text, transcription of phone recordings, voice biometrics, who buys our products, IT managers, who sees our product, our compliance teams. We tend to focus on our development to benefit the end user. I'm trying to apply your famous, it is pretty famous, Mint Marketing Plan, but it's very hard. So go to AppSumo.com and look Mint Marketing. So if you search Mint on AppSumo, the Mint marketing plan is there and it is free. I think it's pretty good uh, and up to date. Let's take a step back on the Mint marketing plan. So, wow, let's go back to the beginning of time with dinosaurs. One, we're on a planet. Let's just go there. No, I'm kidding. So when you're doing marketing, and this is literally something we're still doing at AppSumo today and, and it works, which is what's your goal? So that is where everything comes from. What is your destination? So if you're doing marketing, if you're doing sales, if you're running a company, what's your end destination? And look, you can do it. You can run your business in other ways. This is just what's worked really well for me and the companies I've been a part of. So in marketing, if you're selling a solution, my guess is you're saying, Noah, I want to make $100,000 this year. or I want a million dollars this year. 
all the mint marketing plan is really trying to encourage you to do and what we do is how do I quantify the things that I think are going to help me get to 100,000? So what do I mean by that, Rafael? I mean that like at AppSumo.com, let me give you an example. We want to get 200,000 customers this year. So what we do with the mint marketing plan is every month now, we say, what are the different things we're going to do to get whatever, divide 200,000 by 12, right? That's going to be about 16,000 a month, but maybe we'll make it linear. So first month's 10,000, then 12,000, then 50. You get my point. So if we're trying to get 10,000 customers in our first month, the idea is like, all right, we're going to do email marketing. We're going to do paid ads. We're going to do affiliate. We're going to do some crazy shit. We're going to do Noah's YouTube videos. We're going to do influencer sponsorships. We're going to do blogging. We're going to do PR. And guesstimate how much you think you're going to get from each of these categories. And at the middle of the month or the end of the month, you want to revisit your projections versus the actuals and then be able to keep reforecasting your accuracy so you can stop doing some marketing and start increasing other marketing. That is all mint marketing is at the end of the day, which is what's your goal and how do you quantify the different activities to help you get there? That's really what, what I would be encouraging you to think about, Raphael. When we're, we're boiling down marketing to the end of the day, it's three things. What problem am I solving that is significant enough that someone is excited to give me money, period? Now, if you have a problem, and, and that is generally what I found that most people suck at, or including myself, we've created things that no one wants. I've done this with meetfam.com, a Shopify automatic email tool. Nobody wanted it. Drop, an app sumo for physical products. No one really wanted it. Sumo market, no one wanted it. I mean, <sighs> done a lot. Reward level, no one wanted it. Software taco, which was a review site, no one wanted it. I mean, it just goes on and on. So you have to first solve the what. Like, what am I solving that someone really wants? And then there's really just two questions in marketing. Who is the person that really needs it badly? And where the hell are they online? And if you can solve those three things, you just plug them into the Mint marketing plan, you execute on it, and then you just keep calibrating every single month or however frequency you feel like. And I think that that honestly applies to every single business out there, whether it's a content creator. We do this on YouTube. I'm trying to get 500,000 subscribers this year. All right, well, how many videos is that? How many subs is that? What do we need to do to change that? Same thing goes for AppSumo and the same thing goes for your business and pretty much everyone else out there. If you guys have more questions, just holler at me on Twitter. It's at Noah Kagan or reply to the newsletter that you can sign up for. I do a weekly newsletter. It's free. I have a lot of juicy stuff that's in there, a lot of ear nuggets. Okdork.com. Uh, go and subscribe and just hit me up with your questions if you guys like this and you want us to do another episode. Well, that is a wrap. That's pretty much the episode. Those are four questions that George, the intern from Wuhan, put together. If you have other questions, I just told you what to do at Noah Kagan on Twitter or subscribe to the newsletter and hit reply. Okay, dork.com. Yo, dog, let's go ask Noah some questions together. <laughs> Thank you, all you listeners. You guys are crazy. Uh, I love seeing you on Twitter. I love when your message is on Instagram at Noah Kagan. Uh, I can't believe that this is my life. And I, I, I'm here to help all of y'all have your own dream lives too, man. And y'all can do it. You just have to put in the work, have some suffering, and also have a good time along the way. I love you. I'll see you out there. And thank you to everyone on the Dork team. I know you hear me up in your earlobes or you see me on YouTube or you see AppSumo or you see OK Dork and the things we do, but there's so many amazing people that I am blessed to have in my life. Uh, and like one of the earlier questions, it also is a lot of people that we interview and it, you know, it's, it's tough. It's not easy, but it's worth it. So I wish you really great luck on your own journey. And thank you everyone who's a part of the Dork and the whole ecosystem of people I get to be around. Have a great fucking day. What's your favorite tea flavor? That's a wrap, George. I'm out, bitch. Uh-huh.